Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. I'll be flying solo for today's episode to dive into a request left by one of you listeners on the Instagram account, selfhealers.soundboard. Last week, we put up a call for questions, and one of you had asked, how do you validate yourself? And it occurred to me that this is another one of those concepts that Jenna and I often refer to, the practice or the embodiment of this action of self-validating. And as often is the case, there's a lack of clarity around what exactly do we mean? And when we don't have the clarity around what we mean, it's really hard then to implement that into practice. So I thought, what better of an opportunity than to dive into this topic right here, right now for all of us listening. So let's begin with what we're even talking about when we throw out this word or this practice, this action of self-validation. And self-validation is really simply an acceptance an acceptance of our thoughts, our beliefs, our experiences, our perspectives, what it is for us without explaining, justifying, evaluating, criticizing, judging. Acceptance is the simple act of allowance, becoming aware of what they are and allowing it to be what your truth is. Now, validation itself is a natural, normal human need. It's actually, as often is the case, grounded in our evolution, our need to keep ourselves safe. Over centuries, we are safest when we're in community. So being validated or being accepted by our community at our core is related to keeping ourselves safe, survival. Now, what often becomes the case is we struggle as humans to find that validation or that acceptance in ourself. And instead, we look outside of ourselves. We look to the world around us. We look to our relationships. We look to feedback. We rely on, in other words, external validation. We don't yet know how to stand right in that practice of self-validation. And there's many different reasons why. And I think it's important for us right now to just unpack a few of them. Um, And as often is the case, many of them are grounded in our past experiences or our conditioning, what was modeled to us by the caregivers around us. In that earliest environment, we are open, we're receptive, we are taking in all versions of messages, direct things that are actually spoken to us, and also indirect ways that we feel as a result of others' actions around us implied messages that necessarily aren't said and things that we see others around us doing. We're sponges. We're taking it all in. One of the major factors that contribute to a difficulty with self-validating is an experience of having direct or indirect denial of certain aspects of our experience, whether or not it's our thoughts, sharing thoughts, sharing ideas, you know, with our core caregivers around us and being shut down have those ideas or thoughts being minimized, being told that they're wrong to think them. This, of course, also then happens emotionally, not having the space to just self-express, being made to feel irrational, unreasonable, or that certain aspects of our conscious world or our emotional world should be hidden, should be suppressed or shameful or should be avoided. The more consistently that happens, the more we develop a lack of trust or the inability to validate our own experiences. Some of us experience explicit or implicit rejection, minimization, 
denial of feelings, maybe even abuse when we acted in certain ways, when we spoke certain ideas. That's the complete opposite, right, of being validated. We're actually being minimized or being denied. Maybe we're even being rejected or abandoned based on these aspects of our self-expression. We struggle to self-validate if we want to peel back another layer of it when we don't have a caregiver who can emotionally attune to us or who can create the space or safety for all of our self-expression to be valid or to be accepted or to be okay as it is. When caregivers minimize or reject, act in ways that cause us to feel shameful or suppress, it's usually grounded in this lack of safety or in this lack of emotional regulation. To be open and receptive, to allow someone else's, our children's ideas, thoughts, feelings to be okay, we have to be grounded in safety within ourselves. And if we didn't have that, or if the caregivers around us didn't have that, and they were overwhelming with their emotional experiences, they were impulsive, they couldn't create that safe space, what results is that lack of validation because their reactivity coming from that destabilization in themselves causes those behaviors of shaming, of minimizing, and of rejecting. And then what we do is we internalize them. We become shameful, rejecting, minimizing, invalidating of our own emotional experiences. Another aspect or another factor of childhood that impacts our ability to self-validate are our beliefs, beliefs that are cultural or religious-based, ideas, thoughts that we're told are shameful or to be avoided. We are left with no other choice. And if we have those thoughts, not to allow them to be valid, to, to shame ourselves for the mere presence of them. The more consistently any and all of these experiences happen, the more, again, we internalize this process of invalidating ourselves. And then what oftentimes we do, like I referenced kind of leading into this introing this topic, is then we look outside of ourselves. We rely on other people on their thoughts, on their beliefs, on their emotional experiences, on their perceptions, on their reality to be our truth. Because at our core, we don't trust ourselves. We invalidate ourselves unconsciously in our mind. And therefore we need that external validation, creating a vicious, vicious cycle. This happens and this results, all of this, what I'm describing Right, coming from these parents and these relationships and this dysregulation, these parent figures are all related to their own past experiences. This is where this conversation of intergenerational right, transmission of all of these habits and patterns come from. We have to remember our parents are humans raised by other parents. So it is highly likely those of us who did have invalidating parents or invalidating experiences in our childhood, chances are our parents or our caregivers had those same experiences in their own childhoods too. Um, really common examples, again, are for all of us who have heard comparison. We went to share a feeling we've had, and maybe we were told, I had it worse than you. Others have it worse than you. It's a very invalidating response around our emotional world. Other scenarios being told, at least it's not. Maybe we're sharing, you know, a, an event that happened at, at our childhood schoolyard. We were bullied at school. 
We might come home, share that with a caregiver and be told, well, at least this other more worse thing didn't happen. Really, really invalidating. Many of us were told directly, you shouldn't feel that way, right? It's only a toy. It's not a big deal. Why can't you share? It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Let it go. All of these are direct messaging. Indirect messaging looks like ignoring, sharing a thought, a belief, a feeling with a parent figure and having them actually look the other way, having them shut down, having them ice or remove affection. And then, of course, on the other end of that spectrum, having them emotionally react, overreact or say these shameful words to us. Now, again, this isn't a one-off. This is the more consistently these experiences happen, the more than we internalize our own process of self-validation. So we become an adult who, for many of us, are far away from those early relationships. And now it's no longer those relationships that are invalidating us. We're invalidating ourselves. For me personally, in my own childhood experiences, the messages weren't necessarily direct. I wasn't directly shamed for saying or feeling or acting in any ways. For me, it was more indirect. It was implied. It was communicated through feelings or lack thereof. For those of you who've heard me speak, I grew up with an emotionally unavailable caregiver, my mom in particular, who was shut down and disconnected or dissociated due to her own emotional dysregulation, her own inability to cope. So what that communicated to me then, again, not directly, was an overall lack of presence, lack of acceptance, an unavailability of her to be present to whatever it was that I was sharing pretty consistently across the board. You've probably also heard me speak of growing up in a codependent environment. Simply what that means is a lack of separation between me and that family around me. We shared emotions. When one person was stressed or having an issue, the whole family very quickly became stressed. Without that lack of separation, there's also a lack of self. There's a lack of space for me to sit in acceptance of what it is for me because the truth of the matter was I didn't know. Because what I was feeling and experiencing, often again, unconsciously, was a blurred emotional experience. It was feelings coming from outside of me. So what happened over time, I learned to rely on the outside world for validation, looking for feedback, scanning the environment to see how I was being received or what others thought of me, validating myself through others and their feedback. Again, all originating in not having that safe space to develop the ability to be validated on my own. This also could look like a tendency to over-apologize when we finally do share our thoughts, our opinions, our beliefs, our feelings, almost leading right with that lack of validation. You're apologizing as if you don't even trust or accept them because at the core, you don't. This also looks like externalizing or similar to me, always looking, scanning, needing to receive from the outside world that validation or that acceptance. No space, no internal process of finding that within. It could look like shutting down or dissociating. To self-validate, as Jenna and I often explore here, there has to be the space for a self. 
when we're shut down, when we're dissociated from our being, from the physical vessel where our thoughts are running through our mind and those emotional sensations are running through our body, if we're not in connection to that, we're never going to be able to accept it because we're unaware of what's even happening. We might even find a tendency in ourselves or observe a tendency to judge strong emotions or judge emotions in general. Maybe we have a tendency to view emotions in a black and white way. Certain emotions are good and those I can allow to express certain ideas or beliefs. Let's throw those in here too. Are good and they're acceptable to express. And then I have all of these other thoughts or beliefs or feelings that are bad or are wrong or unacceptable. Chances are, if I have a thought in that category or a feeling in that category, I'm not going to be able to accept it. I'm going to invalidate myself. We might, very similar to this or very related to this, I should say, have a general tendency to be really unsure of ourselves, to second guess ourselves, to feel really insecure or to lack the trust in ourselves, in our thoughts, in our beliefs, in our feelings. Because of all of these tendencies at our core, what we might notice is an underlying feeling of being unseen, of being unheard, of not being accepted, of being rejected. How could we feel otherwise if we don't feel we're valid or accepted to express parts of ourself? Of course, we're going to feel unseen. That part of ourself is unseen. It's going to remain unheard. And that part of ourself will always live in exile or in self-rejection. So let's shift the conversation now. How do we begin to self-validate? How do we actually practice? So as always, especially if you're resonating with signs that you need to practice self-validation, that you would benefit from practice self-validation, we want to start slow with one small daily promise. And the first step as all First steps in change is to become aware, to first and foremost, become aware of the self that is you. Become aware, consciously aware. Learn how to be the observer of your thoughts so you know what they are. The more consistently you think a particular thought, those are beliefs. Notice the consistent patterns in your thoughts so that you can become aware of your beliefs. Before you can accept them, we have to know what they are. Peeling back the layer down deeper into our body, same goes for our feelings. Becoming consciously aware of our physical body and all of the sensations that are indicating these emotional responses to the world around us. Becoming aware then of our habits and our patterns, not only just in our day-to-day choices or behaviors, in our emotions. What habitual emotions do we feel? How do we cope with those emotions? These are all things that we need to first become aware of. We can't accept, again, that which we don't see, that which we can't witness. So the first step, as always, is to learn how to become conscious, how to become a conscious observer of this internal world. So what that means, again, is witnessing our emotions, learning how to label them, learning how to acknowledge the deeper parts of ourselves our desires, what we want, what we wish, our needs, all of these aspects of ourself we need to consciously look at. And they're present. They're present throughout our day. They're present in our minds. They're present in our bodies. The more we practice this conscious awareness, 
the more we can see or share presence with what's there that then will allow us to make that second step, which happens over time, to actually embody the practice then of validating. Once we see what's there, we can practice validating, telling ourselves it's okay to think as we do, to feel as we do, to want as we do. What validation looks like, the first step of what validation looks like for most of us is resisting the urge to invalidate in that moment. Once we see what's present and we hear that critical voice, that diminishing voice, that shaming voice, or that tendency to even distract our attention away to something else externally, right? to embody the presence and the validity in allowing it to be, to refocus your attention away from that critical spiral that we're going to go down or to refocus your attention on what is there if you do have the tendency to distract yourself or to look away, to be with in presence the truth of what's happening for you without judgment, without assessing if it's appropriate or not for the circumstance, to allow it to be just what it is, to embody the choices, the desires that you want in that moment begins with identifying the desire that you have in that moment and practicing then moving forward in acknowledging that desire by attaining, making the choice that moves you closer to whatever it is that you want. We have to see what it is before we can accept what it is. And acceptance for most of us, again, I want to repeat this because it's so important, For a lot of us, it's less an action and more of a refocusing away from the tendency to suppress, to minimize, to invalidate, or to shame. That's the presence of allowing it to be, of accepting it and of validating it. After we refocus our attention and allow us to be in present acceptance of what's there, the exercise or the embodiment of self-validation in that moment might be offering us an affirmation that it's okay to feel as you do, that your thought or belief in that moment is acceptable, that your want or desire is okay. We can begin to lay down new beliefs, ones that affirm or that validate our truth, our reality, our perspective, to counter that old voice that used to invalidate it. The more we embody these choices in the moment, allowing our reality to be, removing the focus from the critical shaming voice inside of us, affirming that it is completely acceptable to be wherever we are in that moment, to acknowledge the simple act. We then want to acknowledge the act of accepting ourselves. We want to celebrate those moments where we didn't run away, where we didn't shame, where we didn't distract, where we didn't invalidate ourselves, We want to show up in celebration of keeping that promise, of embodying the practice of self-validating, doing it in a way that will relearn that it is safe to do that now. All of those early childhood experiences that we explored at the beginning of this episode sent the message that it's unsafe. 
your reality is invalid, it's not safe to express it. The more we teach our body safety in that practice of acceptance, the more we learn how to safely validate ourselves. We don't need to look to the world around us. We can find that space within. It's in that space through resisting the urge to invalidate that what we're doing is we're accepting. We're taking that first step to being okay or validating ourselves. And every moment we do that, we want to celebrate it. We want to acknowledge that we broke that old habit of invalidation by creating space for this practice of acceptance, of allowance, of being with what is. We want to celebrate those moments to acknowledge to ourselves the progress forward, the action of the embodiment of self-validation. Because often we don't even need to necessarily do anything except be in the presence for ourselves of what is. Because if it's there, it's valid. It's real. Even if it's related to something that happened in our past, even if an emotion is being activated in, the current, in our current moment that's connected to something that happened to us years ago, it doesn't make it any less valid. It's real. It's alive. It's coursing through our body. It's what's so for us in that moment. So the practice of self-validation means allowing it to be what is so, not judging it, not shaming it because it happened 20 years ago, so it shouldn't be back. We're in presence with it now so we can validate it by simply holding space and resisting the urge to shove it back down, to distract ourselves away, to blame the environment, just to allow ourselves to accept it, to validate it by being with it. As always, I want to honor all of you out there listening, all of you out there engaging with these ideas or asking for clarity around some of these concepts. We're going to continue to put up um, Q&A boxes on that Self Healer Soundboard Instagram. So I know many of you listen on all of the different platforms um, that the Self Healer Soundboard is broadcast on and including our YouTube. YouTube and Instagram account are two great ways to communicate to ask for clarity, to share your feedback, to give future topics of interest. We are listening. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all next week on another episode of the Self Healer Soundboard.